0: If you're watching and listening this morning, I wanna thank you for tuning in, for checking us out. Um, if you're listening later on at another date at this, at, this, uh, at this message, I also wanna thank you for taking the time to, to hear this message. Um, I wanna invite you to check out our website at fvcelp.org and there you will find all our information about our church, also our COVID guidelines, That we have set up right now our past sermons are on there Uh, well well, there's a link to the soundcloud and to the ipod or um, itunes podcast and also on youtube if you have any comments questions that you want to send us um, obviously if you're watching this live you can send those through either facebook or on the bottom of the uh, the youtube video If you have any prayer requests, you can send those on our website. We don't have a formal offering, but if you're able to, we have a box back there that you can definitely give your tithe and offerings. Also, uh, PayPal. We have a PayPal link on our webpage and you can do it that way there. But keep in mind that when you are giving through PayPal, uh, PayPal does take a small percentage of that amount. So, uh, I just want you to be aware of that. That is completely safe. Uh, With your financial contributions and help and tithes and offerings, we can keep our doors open, especially around this time when our tenants fluctuates. There's one more thing I wanted to mention before I start with today's message. When it comes to your discussions with others about the state of affairs in this country, I, I just want you to keep something in. You know, what is your message? Is it a message of love, unity? Is it a message of, of the gospel that brings people together? Or is it a message of division? Is it a message of hate, anger? Um, all these things, just to let you know, aren't in line with the spirit of God. And we have to remember that. Even at our angriest, even when we're confronted with people that maybe hate us, we have to continue to love them. We're called to love them. I felt that that was important to say because different types of discussions out out there and and people, families and friends are being divided because of them. So just keep that in mind, you know, when you're having these discussions, conversations, what is your message? Is it one of love or is it one of division? So um, with that, I'll I'll go ahead and begin with today's message. In the passages that we're going to be covering today, we'll be resuming Jesus' message about the events leading up to his return that we began to talk about last week. As I do, though, I want to remind you that this was a message given to jews by a jew about the future of the jewish nation however just like last week i'll be sharing a few things that are applicable to us as christians today so as we close out this chapter i hope these three will be clear jesus christ will be coming back his word is true and will come to pass. And number three, believers must always remain alert and be ready for his glorious return. In other words, know the signs and be, and be ready. So before we get into God's word, let's ask him to speak to us this morning. Lord, what a wonderful time of worship. And as I mentioned in the beginning, as I prayed, Lord, I, I hope that it was a sweet sound to you and that you enjoyed it as well Lord so now as we open up your word we ask that you speak to us loudly and clearly Lord especially during these days these times that we know that you will soon come for your church and that we will be with you for all of eternity Lord I I ask that you use me as your instrument, that you remove any selfish pride, ambition, anything that is from the flesh, and that you remove that now and that I be completely filled by your spirit so that I can speak your truth, Lord, and not my truth, but your truth. So now speak to hearts and minds, Lord, and implant your seed the seed of your word deep, deep within them, Lord. Bless those who are watching and listening, and, and may they also be blessed by this message. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 20. And there the word of God says, When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that the desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee the mountains. Those inside the city must leave, must leave it. And those who are in the country must not enter it because these days, because these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all the things that are written. Woe to the pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days for there will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will be killed by the sword and be led captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and there will be anguish on the earth among nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory but when these things begin to take place stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is near now in this section that we just read jesus now takes on the subject of the destruction of jerusalem in 70 a.d the heavenly signs leading up to it, leading up to the end, and his glorious return. So continuing on from where he left off in verse 19, our Lord now gives a warning that focuses on on an event that will take place about 40 years from that time. This event would be signaled by the city being surrounded by the Roman armies. Now, many Jews expected the Messiah to return in glory when hostile Gentile armies surrounded Jerusalem. However, Christians in Jerusalem knew what Jesus had said. They had heard his word and they obeyed. They obeyed him by fleeing across the Jordan River, just as verse 21 says. Now, in an article written about this, it said, "The Christian of an early of an early day, the year 870, had a specific sign to introduce the destruction of Jerusalem and the raising of the beautiful marble temple. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that the desolation is near. This was to be a positive sign of the destruction of Jerusalem, and at that sign they were to flee. Unbelief argued." that with a blessing, with a besieging army outside the walls, escape would be impossible. But God's word never fails. The Roman general withdrew his armies for a short season, thus giving the believing Jews the opportunity to escape. This they did and went out to a place called Pella, where they were preserved. Now, furthermore, Jesus issues this strict warning. Those who are in a country, in that country must not enter it. In other words, any attempt to re-enter the city at that time would be fatal. So why would God allow this to happen to David's city, to his holy city? Well, he tells us why in verse 22. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled." You see, prior to this, Jesus had pointed out how Jerusalem rejected and mistreated the prophets and that they'd also reject and kill the beloved son. He showed how the city, city's religious leaders practiced their religion to enrich themselves and that turned the temple worship into big business. He also reminded them how the prophets warned them over and over again what will happen to a disobedient and sinful Jerusalem. So for these reasons and their many other sins, Jerusalem had incurred God's wrath and were thus fulfilling their scripture. When the Romans conquered Jerusalem in 70 AD, History records that 1.1 million Jews were killed and another 97,000 were taken captive in one of the worst calamities ever to strike the Jewish people. At the end of their conquest, not a single Jew was left alive in the city. The Romans eventually renamed the city. And for many years, wouldn't allow Jews even to enter the former city known as Jerusalem. But there was an exception, one day a year. On the anniversary of the fall of the city and the destruction of the temple, the Jews were invited to come and to mourn bitterly. So because of the the devastation that will occur, Jesus then issues yet another heartbreaking warning to the most vulnerable people of that society. He specifically states that pregnant women and nursing mothers would be at a distinct disadvantage because of their fragile physical condition. In those days, they'd be hindered in escaping from the judgment of God on the land of Israel and its people. So he grieved the Lord to that many of them would be killed by the sword. And that the survivors would be led captive into all the nations. He then ends verse 24 by saying, And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, in Romans chapter 11, verse 12, Paul speaks of the riches of the Gentiles. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, he also mentions the fullness. Of the Gentiles and here Luke says the times of the Gentiles so what's the difference well let me explain what distinguishes the three the riches of the Gentiles refers to the place of privilege which the Gentiles enjoy at the present time while Israel is temporarily set aside by God The fullness of the Gentiles is the time of the rapture when Christ's Gentile bride will be completed and taken from the earth and when God will resume his dealings with Israel. The times of the Gentiles really began with the Babylonian captivity in 521 B.C., and will extend to the time when Gentile nations will no longer assert control over the city of Jerusalem. Uh, this doesn't mean that the Jews might not control it for brief periods of time. Jewish uh, history clearly tells us that um, about these periods, where they did control Jerusalem. But the thought here is that it would be continually subject to gentile invasion and interference now more recently after a thousand years of exile a jewish state was miraculously established in israel again in 1948 yet it wasn't until 1968 that israel had control israel controlled jerusalem nevertheless even though Israel exists as a nation today, the city of Jerusalem, the city itself that we're talking about here, is split in half. The Jews control one half and have yielded the rule and the administration of the, uh, the other half to, the, to, to Gentiles, to the Palestinians, which would include the entire area of the Temple Mount, where the temple in Jesus' day once stood. So what what does this all mean? Well, it can be argued that prophetically speaking, Jerusalem is still being trampled by the Gentiles. Now, in many respects, what Jesus said about Jerusalem destruction may be a dress rehearsal, For what will happen when Satan vents his anger on Israel and the believing Gentiles during the the second half, the last half of the tribulation. Now I touched on this briefly last week, but if you really want some more details about this, I would recommend reading Mark chapter 13 verses 14 through 23 and Revelation chapter 12 verses 7. Through 17. And it seems to me that at that time, at that second half of the tribulation, it's going to be a, a time of unprecedented turmoil that may pale in comparison to anything that the Jews ever experienced in their history. So far, our Lord has told the disciples when the temple would be destroyed and what signs would point to the end of the age. In the next paragraph that we read, he tells them about his own coming at the end of the tribulation period. In verse 25, Jesus seems to revert to what he described back in verse 11, but is more specific about the heavenly signs that will lead up to the end times. Using language for many Old Testament passages, he says that there will be signs in the sun moon and stars Now this possibly refers it's just possibly refers to eclipses comets and shooting stars Such signs will be clearly visible and may be much more spectacular than what we've What what we're currently used to seeing? But that they will be, they're going to be so spectacular that they will fill the earth with anguish or fear and a sense of being trapped with no place to escape. Also, the nations of the entire planet will find themselves bewildered by the roaring of the seas and the waves. Upon seeing all this, he then says, people will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. What I find shocking is that, is that, uh, that according to Revelation chapter 9 verses 20 and 21 and chapter 16 verses 9 through 11, that even during that time And that anguish and all these spectacular things that they see in the sky and the heavens, people will still choose not to repent of their sins and turn to God by faith. Here's what Revelation chapter 9, 20 and 21 says. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and and wood, which cannot see hear or walk and they did not repent of their murder their sorceries their sexual immorality or their thefts there's hope there's hope for those saints who survived and endured all the chaos and calamity of the tribulation The Savior says in verse 27 that they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Again, remember that the church has been raptured and for the first half of the tribulation there's going to be peace, there's going to be all kinds of good stuff happening, but people will still come to know Christ. Not in the same power as We're living in now, but still people will come to believe in him and trust in him. Especially, there's going to be an emergence of, of Jews finally seeing and understanding that Jesus was the Messiah. So, again, those who have survived the entire tribulation, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And in that moment, all the earth will see him. For those who rebelled against him, there will be greater fear and consternation because of the judgment that awaits them. But again, those who persevered and kept the faith. They will stand up and lift their heads, because of because their redemption has come at last. Persecution will be over, and dying for Jesus' name will come to an end when the Redeemer finally returns in His full glory. No longer will they. Now they'll they'll see with their own eyes the Redeemer, their Savior. And their king coming to judge and establish his kingdom on earth. The image here is taken from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, 14, which is a messianic passage that more than likely the disciples would have been familiar with. Now, also, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Says that after he was taken up to heaven, after Jesus ascended up to heaven, the angels promised that Jesus would return to earth in the same way that he departed. Well, he will. It says so in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Now again, imagine this spectacular sign. And you can read it for yourself in Revelation where the sky is ripped open and Jesus and all his saints will be coming back with him. Tragically, there are still many today and maybe you know some of them who ignore and ridicule the doctrine of the return of Christ. They argue that the church has been waiting for over 2,000 years for the Lord to return and he hasn't returned yet. However, Peter answered that accusation in 2 Peter chapter 3. And you can use that scripture to, as an argument against those who, who again ridicule that notion of his return. Well there, Peter pointed out that God keeps his promises whether we believe them or not. And God measures time differently from the way men measure it. Furthermore, the reason he waits is so that unsaved sinners may repent, be saved, and be ready when Jesus comes. So while his seeming delay is a trial to the church and maybe a trial to you and, again, living this difficult life that we have... It's an opportunity for the lost. See, this is the reason he came, he died and rose again. He did that so that through him, everyone can be forgiven of their sins and be reconciled to God. Let me remind you what it says in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if you're here or you're out there online watching this or listening and you haven't been born again Maybe the Lord is waiting for you to be saved before he moves forward with his plan. Maybe again he's just he's giving you opportunities and opportunities and right now he's giving you another opportunity to come to him and be saved. Well don't squander it. Take it. Come to him, open the doors of your heart. Come to the cross and ask him to forgive you of your sins, and he will. Again, that's what he came for. That's what he came to do, to die for the sins of the world, and you are part of that world. And once you receive him, once you accept him, once he comes and dwells into your heart, you will be born again. And that reconciliation with God will take place. And for all of eternity, you will be with him in paradise. Well, now that Jesus has answered the disciples' question and told them what to expect when before he returns, Jesus will next apply it to their lives. So let's look at that now by reading the last two sections of chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 29. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put out leaves, you can see for yourselves and recognize that summer is already near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be on your guard so that your minds are not dulled from carousing drunkenness and the worries of life, or that day will come on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come on all who live on the face of the whole earth. But be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things and are going to take, that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. During the day, he was teaching in the temple. But in the evening, he would go out and spend the night on what, what is called the Mount of Olives. Then all the people would come early in the morning to hear him in the temple. Now, the Mount of Olives will play a more significant role as we start to close out this chapter, but in these last two paragraphs of this chapter, the Lord applied the message that He just shared to their hearts, to the disciples' hearts, by giving them two closing admonitions. Recognize and be alert some of your translations may be may say to know and be watchful so beginning in verse 29 jesus resorted to his favorite teaching method to try to prepare his disciples for the end time now in the bible the fig tree is often an image of israel so when israel became a nation in 1948 Many interpreted this parable to mean that it was a sign of the Lord's imminent return. But Luke also added, and all the trees, in verse 29, suggesting that more than one nation will be involved. Now some have suggested that perhaps Jesus was saying that the rise of nationalism around the world will be the thing to watch. For example, in the last 50 years, we've seen, in, we've seen a bunch of new countries and new governments emerge. And just recently, some, like Britain, have regained or, have, or are wanting to regre- regain their national sovereignty. So... It definitely could be argued that other nations besides Israel would be signs of the Lord's glorious return with his church to this world. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the idea of this parable is when the fig tree has put out leaves. There's an inevitable result. Summer is already near and its fruit will be coming. Well, in the same way, Jesus says in verse 31, when you see these things, when you see these signs happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. The emphasis here is that, is that believers recognize what's going on and know that God will always keep his promises. Our Lord then says something in verse 32 that has been highly controversial and has challenged many biblical scholars and students. He says, Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. What is he talking about? A debate is centered around who, is re- who he's referring to by this generation. The three main arguments are these. Argument number one, some feel that he referred to the generation living at the time he spoke these words, and that all things will be fulfilled at the destruction of Jerusalem. But the problem with this argument is that Christ didn't return in a cloud with power and great glory. Argument number two Others believe that this generation refers to the people living when these signs begin to take place and That those who live to see the beginning of the signs would live to see the return of Christ This would mean that all the events predicted would happen within one generation so this could be a possible explanation Argument three, a large number have also said that this generation possibly refers to the Jewish people in their attitude of hostility to Christ. This argument here is that the Lord was saying that the Jewish race would survive scattered yet indestructible and that its attitude toward him would not change through the centuries. So looking at these three arguments, I would suggest that perhaps the last two are more than likely correct. In general, though, Jesus was assuring his disciples that in spite of all the difficulties Israel would endure, it would be protected by God and would never be destroyed. Now, regardless of how the disciples would have interpreted verse 32, when it's combined with what he said next in verse 33, one thing is absolutely certain. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. In other words, God's word can be trusted above everything else on earth. What God has said will happen and the signs that he gives will come to pass who else in the entire history of mankind could ever truthfully say this but jesus could because his words were the very words of god Listen to what he said in John chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So, if the truths he teaches are true, and not just parts of it but all of it if if everything he says is true then his demands for obedience must be obeyed and those who don't will face the consequences of his judgment it's very easy for people to to just pull out certain passages and of what Jesus said certain words and use it for their advantage and and disregard the rest of it well if you truly believe that these are God's word these this that Jesus's words come from God and that he is God then everything he has said is true not just what you wanted to what you want to be uh, the pieces that you want to be true that you want it to be true but all of it, even the parts and pieces you don't like. His truth is the truth, so it must be obeyed. And again, those who don't will face the consequences of their disobedience. Well, now that he's given his first admonition to recognize In the last section of this chapter, he gives his second admonition to be alert. But before we go through it, it's it's again important to, to remember that both admonitions apply not just to the disciples, but also to God's people in every age. However, they will have more significance for Jews during the tribulation period. Well, this admonition begins with a command from the Lord, be on your guard. Here he gives an ethical commandment for his followers to be sure that they prepare themselves for the days to come. He then tells them two things that will easily distract them and keep them from being prepared for his return. And again, this is something that we, have to, we can apply to ourselves too as we wait for the rapture our rapture the first of these are carousing and drunkenness in other words drunken parties some will some you know some will translate carousing as the hangover after you see the easiest way for the minds of people to be dulled to be anesthetized to to, to not think of Jesus and his return is through the consumption of alcohol and drugs. So the warning for us here is drinking, overly excess drinking will dull your mind. It will prevent you from thinking and preparing yourselves for his coming. Or when he comes for us. The second distraction Jesus mentions. Is the worries of life. Meaning meaning that people can become so fixated. On worldly matters. And their life circumstances. That they forget what's really important. that That their eternal life. Depends on their readiness. For the next world those caught up in these distractions are warned that if they're not ready, they will miss the signs of his return and the day will come on them unexpectedly. And when all that and when it happens, all who live on the face of the earth will have no excuses since he told them ahead of time what to look for and to be watchful. In many respects, this is also a warning for us. You see, it's so easy for us to get, weighed, to get weighed down with the worries of this life and the temptations of the world and of the flesh. During difficult seasons of life, it can be tempting to give up, to just throw your hands up in the air And just start living like the unsaved world. Here we're told that one of the best ways to avoid this. Is by guarding ourselves. From anything that will distract you from his promise. To never leave you. Or forsake you. It says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles eagles they will run and and not become weary they will walk and not faint every single believer all of again all of you who may be listening and watching who are hurting physically or emotionally who have been have gone through the ring or have been abused by the world have been abused by people you will indeed be healed and be freed incredibly it might be tonight it might be this week it might be this year or it might be in heaven but god's promises to you will be kept perfectly If you don't lose sight of the big picture. Now, in verse 36, Jesus ends his entire message emphasizing not knowledge, but action. There he says to his disciples to be alert and to pray. Specifically, Jesus told his followers to pray that they may be found worthy to escape all these things that are going to take place. By continually being alert and praying, they'll be separating themselves from the ungodly world which is doomed to experience the wrath of God. So although some believers will be persecuted and die during the tribulation, Others will escape to see Jesus Christ when he returns in glory. And what I mean by escaping is that they will escape death. Furthermore, they'll be identifying themselves with every other believer that preceded them who will stand before the Lord at the judgment. Now, according to what our Lord said in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. He will sit on his throne and there he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will enter the kingdom while the goats will be cast out. So, let me ask you, Will you be counted among the sheep or the goats? It's never too late to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Well, the good news in Jesus is that born again believers won't have to go through this calamity that is coming. At the, of the church, at the rapture of the church, he will take as many as are ready before, his, before this calamity begins. We're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we know, if you know that the Lord can come And take us home at any moment. It behooves us to be faithful, obedient, and ready. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 verse 42. Therefore be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Well in the final two verses of this chapter. Luke added a note to inform the reader of the situation in which Jesus found himself during these days of opposition and teaching. Although Jesus' teaching in the temple temple was popular, this only increased the intensity of the opposition against him. So while while he was teaching the crowds in the temple during the day, he was relatively safe. But in the evening, when the crowds went to their own homes, he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives. Friends, as I mentioned earlier, it can be so easy, easy to be sucked in into the, into the cares of this life and be bogged down by the things of this world. But another way to avoid this is by studying the words of Jesus. When you do that, you'll be reminded of the big picture all over again. You'll be reminded that we're only here. You're only here for a short time. And you'll be reminded of eternity. So be like those in this final verse. Come early to hear him and be reminded of heaven all over again. Ladies and gentlemen, before I close, and out, close this out in prayer, let me just mention a few closing remarks about Luke chapter 21. It has been 2,000 years, and no generation has yet seen the signs of the last times. Some of you have probably considered that maybe it's time to give up, to give this up and to look elsewhere for truth about nature, endurance, and the end of the universe. Well, Luke chapter 21 shows us that Jesus was well aware, well aware of this temptation. He constantly warned us to be alert and to pray, not to be led astray by doubters. We're to be faithful in watching as the widow was giving. The first signs have happened. Jerusalem has been destroyed and occupied. So now that these have begun, we can expect the other signs to follow quickly. So quickly that we will not have time to change our mind. So our preparedness determines our place in God's kingdom at the end. A reason may say, forget it, but faith says, trust him. The kingdom is coming. Until then, recognize the signs. Be alert at all times and continually pray that God will give you the strength to endure every trial of life. Now at this moment, I want to speak to those that have never given their lives to Jesus Christ, that have never placed their trust in Him, have never surrendered your life to Him. Again, we don't know, no one one but God knows when He will come and take us with him in the air when we'll be raptured. But I tell you this, you do not want to be living. You do not want to be left behind. You don't want to be here when the second half of the tribulation begins. Again, the first half, the first three and a half years will seem fine and dandy, but it, it will all be a delusion. It will all be, it's going to be a false sense of security, the second half. There will be so much persecution, so much death and destruction, so much calamity, so much deception, that, and, and so, many, so many signs in the sky that it's hard to imagine what that will be like, but it won't be good. People will be terrified. People will want to seek death, but will not find it. So right now that you have the opportunity, I want to invite you to come to know the Lord, to come to the cross and ask him to forgive you of your sins, to be born again. So if you want to avoid all that mess and, and you truly believe and you truly now see that Jesus is who He says He is and that He is the only way the only truth and the only life then come to Him and if you're ready to do that and I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Him so wherever you're at I want you to close your eyes and bow your head and with all your heart with all sincerity pray this lord jesus i know that i'm a sinner and i ask for your forgiveness i believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead i now turn for my sins and Confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit so that he may help guide me in my new born-again life. In your name, amen. If you truly prayed that with all your heart, with all sincerity, you can know that you are born again. You are saved if you pray that for the hundredth time then again have no doubts that you are saved let us know reach out to us go to our website and contact me or you can reach out to me on social on the social media pages let us know so that we can help you in your next steps of your walk and maybe help you find a church if you're not in the area but if you're here in El Paso, we want to invite you to come to Fresh Vision Church here in on the corner of Gateway and Hondo Pass in, the, in northeast El Paso. It's safe here, I promise you. Um, but we want to hear about your story. We want to minister to you. We want to, again, help you as you continue now in your new Walk with Christ in your new born-again life. This is exciting. Who else can say that they're born again? I mean, it, the, the idea, the thought of being born again is just so wonderful, so beautiful, so amazing that even the religious leaders in Jesus' time were they, they were marveled, they marveled at it. But again, let me remind you, you are born again. So again, reach out to us, let us know. Um, we want to help you and invite you and celebrate with you in your new born again life. Again, if you're watching and listening, we want to thank you for checking in. Um, join us again next week as we continue on to chapter 22. But in the meantime, be blessed and have a great week.